This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We mentioned earlier about uh, the debut of ARM uh, and uh, what that means for the IPO market. And, of course, we've got Instacart that is kind of warming up in the bullpen right now. Uh, They debut into an IPO landscape that has been up and down, to say the least, over the last uh, year and a half. The question, though, maybe to be asked is whether or not these debuts by ARM and by Instacart open the door for more companies to go down that path. David Shu is a management professor here at the Wharton School, and he joins us with more on that. Hi, David. Great to talk to you again. Uh, likewise, Dan. All right. So give me your thoughts on what the kind of the, the landscape is for the IPO market and what companies should be considering. I think that the the, the news about uh, Arms Debut yesterday is really uh, very good news uh, for the markets in that, as you've noted, it's been quite a uh, drought there. Um, if you take 2021 off the table, that is marked by a lot of spec IPOs, particularly over the last year. This has really been quite a shutout uh, in terms of uh, firms going to the public markets for liquidity. And so... The, that, I think that was reflected in the very conservative approach uh, by ARM and their pricing and lining up their cornerstone investors and uh, uh, customers to buy shares. And with the news of ARM doing so well yesterday, it seems like Instacart has revised their IPO guidance for a likely uh, offering next week uh, slightly upwards. So I think that this is, uh, in short, very good news. Uh, for uh, the markets. Do you think it's a good move for Instacart to make that move specifically and kind of upping what they perceive to be uh, what their value uh, may very well be on the marketplace right now? Well, don't forget that uh, they've come down quite a bit from their last private valuation uh, two years ago at $39 billion down to what people thought was 8 or $8.5 billion. Now it's been looks like this re- revision with this revision, maybe nine and a half billion uh, valuation for the IPO. My read of the timing of, of this on Instacart going public is that really there's not much uh, good alternative to get to raise this kind of capital in alternative means. Otherwise, uh, my thinking is that they would have waited it out to have to show better performance in their ad platform grocery deliveries, et cetera, it's not uh, – uh, the. It, it seems like the need to pay their taxes and uh, their obligations on the employee stock options is really kind of the accelerator here on trying to go public at this time period. So does this open the door, do you think, for more companies to kind of go down this path? I mean, I know there are uh, a couple out there that are talking about it, Birkenstock being one of them. Uh, but does this does this speed the momentum, or is it still a little bit of a tentative market right now? Well, this is really the, the beginnings of um, what looks like maybe a thaw here in that uh, the valuation uh, that investors are putting on ARM looks quite favorable if, uh, as judged by the, the uh, multiples. Um I think Instacart will be another uh, test here, but I'm hearing more anecdotally around that uh, there's a lot of attention being paid 
to uh, how these offerings uh, do. Because after all, there's a you know there's still money in the uh, in private equity, though of course with this uh, kind of macro environment, there's there's really kind of uh, still some uncertainty on the inflationary environments, the interest rate environment, et cetera. And so uh, the thing about these markets is that the public markets feed through all the way backwards to the, the private and early stage financing. And so the hope is that the kind of lifting the public markets for an IPO will act alongside the acquisition type of channel to provide liquidity for entrepreneurs and other company and growth companies to really access uh, these large uh, pools of capital, uh, in, in this case, from the public markets. So the pattern that we saw there for a while of companies coming to market uh, and then seeing them trade below their value, uh, are, are, are those patterns, are they anecdotal to the companies themselves? Uh, have we moved past that, do you think? Uh, I mean, there's probably a yeah. little bit of that, you know, on an individual basis, depending on the company already, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I think if you look at the, the broader pattern, of the of IPOs over the last uh, half year to year, that has been the common denominator. Uh, maybe a little bit of enthusiasm at the beginning and then backsliding. If you look at, with regards to Instacart, um, if you look at a very comparable type of experience of the company that's in the gig workspace, although uh, concentrated on restaurant delivery, DoorDash, that had uh, a little bit of the same pattern. We've got uh, some enthusiasm in the beginning particularly in the kind of in the midst of the pandemic and then some kind of reckoning uh, over time in terms of the stock price. I think Instacart may face the same type of challenge. There's no doubt that they have been, they had been quite successful during the pandemic. They're still profitable now, which is great early signs, but their ad-based business really relies on them being quite successful and sustaining and growing their grocery uh, delivery business. And that's a very difficult thing to scale. I think the promise is that for Instacart, that they will be able to show and change consumer behavior at the high intense point in time. That is, you're shopping in your for a, a given good. The proposition is that they'll show you an ad that's relevant right then and be able to change your behavior on a personalized level. That's a great promise, especially since groceries is, you know, a huge part of retail and household spend. But remember, that's not an easy thing to do to really, right. because there's a lot of brand loyalty. We have our own habits of what things to shop for. We uh, oftentimes try to cut and paste what we do on a week to week basis. And so the ad business and the targeted personalized ad business really relies on uh, being able to make that prediction at exactly the right time really trace out that individual demand curve for that product, not just the broad category as we do in more untargeted ads. Yeah. And fundamentally, that's not an easy thing to do. And so it remains to be seen whether um, Instacart can sustain, in face of a lot of competition, let's be frank. Right? Sure. It's no secret that Costco, Walmart, Target, th these are all uh, you know, big businesses that could, if they wanted to, in some cases have, gotten into their own fulfillment. Uh, and so they have a large bargaining power over Instacart 
And so really we're reliant on the, the mid-tier, the smaller grocers. And remember, to get that personalized prediction, you got to have a lot of data points on that individual or people that look like you so that can really get into their ad-based business. And so the short answer is that Instacart has to really be quite attentive to their grocery delivery business, which doesn't have necessarily great or attractive economics in order right. to fuel their the really desirable part, that is the ad-based, personalized ad business. And that remains to be seen whether they can really stay ahead of investor uh, expectations as a publicly traded stock in terms of fulfilling that promise. So then you also have to throw in uh, the, the, the consumer pattern uh, in terms of the grocery, you alluded to it in, in terms of the brand loyalty, uh, but there are still, and, and I am one of those people, I don't use one of these services. I still enjoy going to the grocery store, and there's still a lot of people out there that do, and that's a little bit of a generational thing where you know younger generations will probably move more towards uh, the companies like Instacart as we move forward here. Uh, but the pattern of the consumer right now is still a little bit of a uh, little bit in flux. It feels like. Yeah, that's right. Especially inflationary environments, right? I think that uh, there is this concern about uh, share of wallets on a monthly basis for these staples. And uh, yes, convenience is good. But the other angle, I think that supplements what you just said is, you know. Think about the gig work here. It's, it's a little bit more high skill relative to, the say, the Uber Eats or the DoorDash. I just got to make sure to pick it up hot and deliver it uh, in time to the customer. Here we're asking the Instacart workers to, in some cases, use some discretion. Um, you know, if a given item is out of stock, can I find the appropriate substitute? Will I pick the uh, good produce or fruits or vegetables to the liking of the customers, can I fulfill it on time, et cetera. And so it, it, the backdrop to that is it's still a competitive market uh, for gig workers. And again, that part of the business is not necessarily attractive, uh, but it is necessary to, to really fuel the uh, business of the advertising-based um, platform. Now, as you said, there's also heterogeneity with regard to user behavior. It's, as, as we know, it's not easy to change that behavior, maybe the hope is that uh, right now we're not used to shopping in this way, and that's, yeah. I think, true. But the, the, the promise is that we can really get these targeted ads uh, for this product that is, um, you know, the, the, the store shelf products at exactly the right time. And, and what's nice about the business is that really there's not great alternatives at this scale. And so that's why you have a business that's even though it's cut down from 39 billion to say nine to ten billion, that's still that's still a real business, right? Sure. And so uh, I think they're the what, what's going to drive the stock price is how successful they are in that promise of an ad-enabled business and su sustained attention without all the subsidies. Clearly, this is a very expensive proposition uh, to do this, and whether consumers are willing to pay uh, a premium for this type of convenience uh, over time and whether the competitors strike back and make it unattractive for Instacart or even integrate into their own uh, offering that competes uh, with Instacart. 
And I think How that's much... the reason why. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Finish up. Go ahead. No, no. You, you, you go, Dan. Well, I, I was going to ask you how much then in the overall landscape of the IPO world right now does tech and ideas that involve tech uh, really become that more that much more attractive right now? The promise of tech is that you get uh, outsized benefit for a given cost, right? And that's the promise of digitalization. That is. Um, Really, what people hope for. Think about Amazon. How long it took them to, uh, you know, losses quarter after quarter after quarter before they really uh, turned it around and achieved those economies and uh, all the different lines of business they're in. The point is that at some, the, the the hope is that at some point, the benefits. You know, you have to have those costs upfront of the tech infrastructure, et cetera. But once it's in place, it's ideally difficult to displace those, uh, that, that machinery where you're able to, in this case of, of Instacart, really predict what will it take for, uh, you know, what, what, what do they have to offer you in terms of advertisement at a price discount perhaps to really change your brand loyalty and adopt this other product that wishes you to try and have that on a sustained basis. And that, that's, I think, a hard thing to do, but that is tech, definitely tech-enabled. And I think that, uh, like all the platforms that we like digitally, that is, uh, requires a, a great deal of investment and patience on the part of investors before you really kind of have that nonlinear growth and adoption that will justify the type of, of um, expenditures and the valuations that are assigned. David, always great to talk with you and, and get your insight. I appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we will catch up again with you down the road, sir. Thank you, Dan. Take care. You got it. David Chu, who is a management professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.